0: Paul prays for the church at Ephesus. He says, For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So Father, I make that my prayer for us today. That we would know just how wide and how long and how incredibly deep your lavish and extravagant love is for us. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would know this love that vastly surpasses now. And that you would fill us, truly fill us, to the measure of all your phones. Father, ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. You did a good job today. I appreciate it. Hey, Vaughn, would you do me a favor? Just kill that monitor amp. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see everybody. Let's take up an offering. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for being good to us, I thank you for blessing us, for your favor and your provision in our lives. Lord, I ask that you bless this offering, that you would multiply it, that you would use it to bring glory to your name, to advance your kingdom, and to bless your children. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen? Amen. There are a few announcements as the baskets go around. One of the first things I want to do is I want to invite, um, uh, I want to welcome some dear friends that are here today sitting in the back of Dwayne and Dawn Coffin. We love these guys. They come to us today all the way from Kennewick, Washington. That's a long way to come. Dwayne and Dawn are dear friends. For the years that Nadine and I were in Washington, they were our right hand and um, truly a a blessing uh, to us. They were friends, and um, they were a blessing in all the work of ministry uh, that they did there. Uh, Dwayne and Dawn are now the pastors of the bridge in Kennewick, and uh, they oversee the uh, Streams Training Center for the Institute of Spiritual Development in that part of the country. And they're doing an amazing job, and they're awesome. So make sure you give them hugs today and introduce yourselves to them. And who knows, maybe you get to hear a little bit something from them before the morning is out. I don't know. We'll see. Usual weekly announcements. We have prayer at Jenny's house Tuesday at 10 a.m. Thank you, baby. We have dream interpretation at the spoon. So we have prayer at Jenny's at 10 a.m. On Tuesdays, we have dream interpretation, our outreach at the spoon coffee house from 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, on Tuesday nights. Wednesdays is the Food Pantry at 6, Worship and Prayer with Ginny's at 6.30, Uh, Maurice's Small Group at 7.30 here at the church. Thursday mornings, uh, Cindy has her prayer show ministry that's begun, if that interests you, uh, please seek her out, it's at 10 a.m. on Thursday mornings. Eight o'clock on Thursday night at my house, we're doing the um, book club, uh, Ted Decker's book, Blessed Child. We'll finish up Blessed Child this week, we're going to... Do chapters uh, 36 to 40. And there'll be another new book club announced uh, within, a, oh, maybe a couple of weeks or so. For any upcoming dates on the youth group, see Candace. We could use some help cleaning the church. And if you have computer skills and would like to um, help with some bookkeeping, come and see me. Did I miss any announcements? I'll get to that in a minute. You like that sword? That was a Father's Day present for me some years back. Ain't that cool? I remember bringing that. It's called the Sword of King Solomon. And I remember bringing it to church that Sunday morning. I told all the guys at church, it says, I don't know what you got for Father's Day, but my gift is better. (laughs) I'll explain this in a minute. So why don't you open your Bibles to Titus chapter 1. I have been preaching a series of messages titled Living in Papa's Affection. Um, I'm going to put that aside for today, we'll we'll probably come back and do some more on that, but I want to take care of some official church business today. Today we're going to install new elders uh, here at the church. Uh, By law, we're required to have a minimum of three elders, and Peter and Maurice have served in that capacity with excellence uh, since, really since the beginning of the The church started many, many years now. And for a long time now, the elders of the church had been Maurice and Peter and the pastor, Rick or me. When Peter and Laurie left a couple of months ago, it left a vacancy in a few areas of the church, and one of them uh, has been church elders. Uh, We knew that we needed to uh, fill in that gap, and so Maurice and I have been talking and praying about this for weeks now. So after much prayerful consideration today, We'll be adding Kyle and Sal and Mike as new elders in the church. You can give them a hand. And, Marisa will, and Maurice will continue to serve with us. So before we pray for these guys, um, I want to take a few minutes to explain a few things. I want to talk about some of the qualifications that I personally look for some of the things I've learned to look for all the years I've been in ministry, I've, I've picked up a couple of things along the way and some of the criteria that I use when I'm looking for a new elder. So I want to explain that to you. I want to talk about the different types of church government <laughs> commonly used. And then I want to talk about how we, here at the Bridge Long Island, how we operate. Sound good? And then after that, we'll, we'll pray for these guys. And that's why I brought the sword. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nervous guys. (laughs) Suddenly it doesn't sound like such a good idea, does it? (laughs) So Titus chapter 1, verses 5 to 9. I'll I'll be reading out of the message. I like the way he put it. This is uh, St. Paul. He says, Appoint leaders in every town according to my instructions. As you select them, ask, Is this man well thought of? Is he committed to his wife? Are his children believers? Do they respect him and stay out of trouble? It's important that a church leaders it's important that a church leader responsible for the affairs in God's house be looked up to, not pushy, not short-tempered, not drunk, not a bully, not money-hungry. He must welcome people, be helpful, wise, fair, reverent have a good grip on himself and have a good grip on the message, knowing how to use the truth to either spur people on in knowledge or to stop them in their tracks if they oppose it. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless this time that we have together today and the things I share would be life-giving to your people. So in light of First Timothy 5-9 to out of the message, um, can you see why we would agree on Fine men like Kyle and and Mike and Sal. Uh, Maurice and I, we prayed. (laughs) We listened to God. We discussed many options. We had lots of options here that we could choose from. Both men and women were considered. I've I've certainly had women elders uh, in my different churches I've pastored before. And we felt like all three of these men or qualified in our estimation. So I told you I had qualities I look for. We have um, we've been prayerfully considering this decision for weeks now, not a decision we made lightly. And like I said, we're blessed to have many options to choose from here at this church we have a church filled with people who could have served in this capacity? But we tried to hear God and do what he wanted to do. So there are some qualifications I look for. I look for five things when I want to put a person in a significant position of leadership. The first thing I look for is character. That they would be a man or a woman of character and of integrity. That they have a conscious choice they make the decision, best of their ability, to do right things right. Doesn't mean they're perfect. Doesn't mean they bat a thousand all the time. And even if they strike out, um, they do it with their heart in the right place. You know, that they that they are men and women of character and integrity. These three men have character. The second qualification that I look for is what I like to call wholeness. And that basically, they're a whole person. Now, all of us are broken in one way or another, right? Wouldn't we honestly? admit, I mean, everybody's got something that they're wrestling with. We're, we're, you know, earthen vessels, the scripture says, or you know, another way of putting it is crack pots. We all have some kind of, we all have some kind of brokenness or cracks that we deal with uh, in our lives. But are they being dealt with? I think people who have wholeness that there's an awareness of whatever issues that they might be struggling with. And they've learned to either get healing or how to maintain with it or live life in a healthy way uh, in spite of it. And so I look for some sense of wholeness, that there's more wholeness than brokenness. And so I felt like these three men uh, met that qualification as well. The third thing I look for is gifting. Do they have some kind of gifting from God that's going to, Enable them to do the, the task that I've asked them to do. Can they lead? Can they help me govern? Can they help me? Can they be a support to me? Are they gifted in that area? Do they have the capability? For example, if I was going to ask somebody to lead worship, well, can they sing? Can they play an instrument? Do they have, are they a worshiper? You know? So you would want to have a person that has gifting in the area that you're looking for. So I look for character. I look for wholeness. I look for gifting. The fourth thing I look for is loyalty. I think loyalty is really significant. I want somebody who, first and foremost, is going to have a loyalty in a sense of their relationship to God. Are they committed to God? Does their words back up? Uh, do their actions back up their words? Do they do what they say they're going to do? Do they follow through? I want to know that they have a loyalty to the church, that they're committed to this community. I'm going to ask them to have some kind of oversight. They're going to help me govern in this place. Are they committed here? And finally, do they have loyalty to me? I do. If I want to have somebody in leadership, I, I want to have somebody who's going to watch my back. I want to have somebody who I think is going to watch my back and not stab me in the back. Doesn't that, that just makes practical good sense, doesn't it? You know, I wouldn't want to... <laughs> I wouldn't want to appoint, if I was running for president, right? <laughs> and I had, you know, in my party, the main contender fighting against me. I may not want them as vice president, you know? <laughs> they, they may have an agenda of their own. They may have been saying bad things about me for a year, right? Now, I can understand in political circles why it might make sense to make them vice president, but in church circles, I don't think I want to have that person as an elder. I think their loyalties are divided at that point. So I look for loyalty. That's the fourth thing I look for. Are they loyal to, to God? Are they loyal uh, to the church? Are they loyal to me? So character, wholeness, gifting, loyalty. And um, I've added a fifth. Um, in the churches I've pastored, um, I always had those first three, that they had character. Well, I, I think the first thing I had were character, gifting, and loyalty. And then as I went on and had a little bit more wisdom and experience and mistakes, I learned that adding wholeness to the list is a good idea, too. And in coming back to New York and ministering in this church in particular, I had to add a fifth qualification that I, I looked for, a fifth item along with character, wholeness, gifting, and loyalty. And the fifth thing is availability. is Does the person have the time to do the thing that I need them to do? And I think it's an important consideration. Time, availability of time is something that uh, I'm acutely sensitive to. I really do believe with all my heart that family is more important than ministry. I've felt that all along. That I will not. I choose not to sacrifice my family on the steps of the church. I'm not going to do it. I think if you have to choose between a family commitment or a church commitment, that family ought to win every time. You know? I used to tell people in churches, I passed it as I said, look, I love you. But if I got to choose between you and Nadine, if I got to choose between you and my kids, I like them better. <laughs> you know? I'm gonna choose I love you, I really do. But I just love them a little bit more. And I think that's appropriate. And so as I considered um, people to fill the role for this responsibility, I learned that seeing that people have the availability of time to do it was also an important consideration. I think maybe especially here in the fast-paced, hustle-bustle lifestyle uh, in New York, um, the demands on people's time, uh, the traveling back and forth uh, that people have to do uh, just to get to work every day, and the toll uh, that that takes on how much disposable time uh, you have left. I know that those are things you have to do. And it makes me extra sensitive to what kind of demands I want to put on people when it comes to asking them to serve in ministry. So these are the things, um, these are some of the qualities I've looked for. Character, wholeness, gifting, loyalty, and availability. Mixed in with all that, I want someone who shares my vision. I want someone who will help me fulfill the vision that God's given me for the church. Along with the qualities I wanted, there were some qualities I didn't want, and these I've learned uh, as I've, oh, about 25 years in ministry now, I really haven't met that, these issues here, but I have met them in other places, and I've learned that if I see these qualities, then I probably want to wait. It gives me cause for pause. So Some of the things I don't want, especially when I'm asking somebody to be an elder in the church, is I don't want somebody with a personal agenda. I don't want somebody coming in and they're going to try and force their way of doing things. Um, I certainly want their input. I just don't want somebody with a hardcore uh, agenda. I served in one place and I had an elder in the church and he felt like it was his responsibility to be the voice of the people, as if somehow I didn't know what that was. And that was pretty irritating to try and work with for a long time. So I've learned not to, to... One of the qualities I don't want is somebody with a personal agenda. I'm not looking for somebody to be the voice of the people, as it were. Um, I would much rather people just come and talk to me. I think that would be much healthier. That just seems practical to me. And another thing I'm not looking for is somebody to be the pastor's policeman. If you have a pastor in your church that you feel needs to be policed, Then you need to get a new pastor. (laughs) It's you know there's there are character issues or there's issues on or brokenness issues in him if he needs to be policed. So those are the things I don't look for. That makes sense. Now we talk a little about church government. I don't know if you guys have ever heard messages on church government, but there are there are um, a variety of methods of governing a church. There are three basic church government models. And in the midst of uh, those models, there's variations of each of them. But there are basically three. And those three models are the Episcopal model, the Presbyterian model, and the Congregational model of church government. The Episcopal model is a pastor-run church. The pastor is the the leader of the church. The Presbyterian model is an elder-run church. And the congregational model, much like it sounds like, is a church, it's a congregational-run church. All three models have their strengths and have their weaknesses. In the Episcopal model, um, I've heard it referred to as a benevolent dictatorship. (laughs) That basically what the pastor says goes. Now, um, if you need to get things done, well, it can be a pretty efficient model to have. And it works well so long as the quote-unquote dictator is benevolent. <laughs> but if he's suddenly not benevolent, then it's not such a good model. You know, He could be a good guy most of the time, have a really bad day, and make things really messy because he has that much authority in the way the church is governed. The Presbyterian model um, uh, can offer some benefits and have some drawbacks as well. The Presbyterian model uh, is an elder-run church. The authority lies with the elders. As with the Episcopal model, the pastor has the authority responsibility to make decisions. In the Presbyterian model, that responsibility is with the church elders. And if you're in a larger church, or if you're in a church that has a lot of turnover and staff, the elder-run model can offer stability over the long term. I remember talking to one elder, not a church I had pastored, but another church elder, and he said, hey, I've been here for 30 years. You guys come and go. And you know what? There was, there was some truth. So what do you have to say? This church would have a new pastor like every three years. It <laughs> would just be a turnover. Um, the downside to the Presbyterian model is the pastor becomes the employee, as it were, of the elders. And so um, if the pastor has a family and he's got children, if he has a mortgage to pay, well, then people-pleasing becomes a, a real threat to how the ministry operates because he wants to make sure he gets paid. <laughs> he wants to make sure he has job security and isn't going to be voted out uh, by the elders you know, when the next term comes up. And um, so maybe he's not going to take the leaps of faith that God's asking him to take. You know, it becomes a conflict of interest there. That can be one of the downsides to the Episcopal model, uh, to the Presbyterian model. They all have upsides and downsides. The congregational model also has its, its pros and its cons. One of the benefits of the congregational model, they vote on everything. Like nearly every single decision that's made in the church, certainly any, any of the significant ones go, come to a congregational vote. If they're going to paint the church, they're going to vote on what color it's going to be painted. So the upside is, everybody feels like they have a voice. And I could see that being a good thing. The downside is, oh man, it's like nearly impossible to get anything of substance done. It really is a slow process to try and get uh, decisions made, and it can become extremely political. You know, <laughs> how many votes do I have in my corner? You know, how many votes does the other? How many votes does the light blue camp have <laughs> versus how many votes does the light green camp have? And so that can become. You know, that can become kind of messy. Um, and, and again, too, from the pastor's perspective, it can lend itself to people-pleasing as well. You, again, he wants to keep his job, right? So he's got to try and make as many people happy uh, as he can so that next year when the congregational vote comes, that there's 51% that are happy with him at least, and they'll vote to keep him. I've, I've seen churches, and thank God I've never had to serve in one, where every year they vote on whether or not they'll keep the pastor, that can be, you know, from a pastor's perspective, that can be pretty unsettling. You know, that can be pretty. It's going to be hard to try and make, you know, to set down roots and make long-term decisions <laughs> if you feel like you're living with the, the hatchet over your head at, at every time, every turn. And so those are those are three basic models: um, Episcopal, Presbyterian, and Congregational. and I'm just kind of like, obviously I'm just painting with a wide brush. I'm just giving you, the, you know, a snapshot of each. There are congregations that have variations on all three of those uh, primary models. Well, how does our church operate? How does the Bridge Long Island operate? Well, our church government is a modified version of the Episcopal model. It's a pastor-run church. Really, it's a holdover from the Vineyard days. It's pretty much how all the Vineyard churches had operated. It's how John Wimber had operated. And So when this church started as a vineyard church, it's how Rick operated. It was a pastor run church with elders. The government requires that we have a a board of elders. And it's also, the Episcopal model is the form of church government that's commonly used in the bridge churches. To my knowledge, I think every bridge church uses the, um, the Episcopal model of church government. Now, I think I said this when I first got here. I don't know if I've said it since. But when it comes to a leadership, when it comes to ministry, I, there are uh, concepts I have concerning leadership and authority. I believe in a plurality of ministry, that everybody gets to do the stuff. Everybody gets to be a minister. The priesthood of all believers, Scripture would say to it. So I don't believe that it's only the pastor, or only the elders... Who get to do ministry. Everybody, everybody gets to play. A plurality of ministry. And to do that according to whatever your gifting and your calling might be. I believe in a plurality of leadership. I believe it's good to let people lead in the areas that they have responsibility. For example, Vaughn led worship today. I didn't tell I didn't call up Vaughn during the week and say, Vaughn, I want you to do these four songs. He has the responsibility to lead worship. Well, then he, he has the authority to pick what songs they're going to do for worship. I think that works well. You know? I'm not, by any shape, mean or way, it means a micromanager. Have you guys picked that up? I'm not a micromanager. It works for me. Other people are micromanagers. They need to be in control of every detail. I don't want to be in control of every detail. I want to relate to people and let them do what they feel God's called them to do. That's, that's how it works best for me. But though I do believe in a plurality of leadership and I do believe in a plurality of ministry, I don't believe in a plurality of authority. And what I mean by that is this. Eventually, eventually, the buck's got to stop somewhere. Eventually, a decision has to be made. Eventually, at some point, there's got to be somebody who has enough authority to say yes or to say no, (laughs) to say this or to say that. Now, That being so, the way I want to do it, the way I've chosen to do it over the years, what works for me, what fits me, is that it's relational. I think this thing we call church only operates, and only operates well in the context of loving and trusting relationships. (laughs) When we degenerate to the point where we're quoting the church bylaws to one another, we've already lost. The battle's over. You might as well just give up. Because it was never meant to operate that way. We're supposed to be family. We're supposed to love one another. All men will know you are my disciples if you have correct constitution and bylaws. No. <laughs> All men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So I think it needs to be relational. And I, over the years, I've chosen to surround myself with good men and women who offer to me wise counsel. And it has served me well. Dwayne and Dawn served in that capacity for many years uh, for me in Kennewick. And I was better for it, much better for it. Saved my bacon <laughs> on a number of occasions, you know. Proverbs 24.6 says, in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. And there is safety in a multitude of counselors. Over the years, I've found this to be a quite true. And so when major decisions need to be made in church, and I have to meet with a board of elders to make that decision, my my heart, my objective is unity. It's best when all of us can agree on whatever the, the decision is that we need to make. And I'll go a long way to pursuing unity. I'll go as long as I can to pursue unity. But you know, sometimes, and it's not often, but sometimes you get to a place where you've run out of time. And the circumstances of the situation dictate a decision has to be made. And so when a decision has to be made, and we don't have unity as a team, well, then it's my responsibility to make the call. And that's what I mean by I don't believe in a plurality of, of authority. It's not a majority vote. A leader has to sometimes just lead. And in those circumstances, I make the call. And I do the best I can, you know, hopefully as clean a heart as possible. Now, in 25 years of ministry, I don't think I've had to do that five times. You know, it's not like I pull out the pastor card <laughs> and say, well, I'm the pastor, this is the way we're going to do it. You know, let's talk about it. Why do you feel so strongly that it needs to be different? And we'll talk about it, and we'll make the hopefully we'll be able to reach decisions in a unified fashion. For me, that's relational. That seems healthy. That seems like it's, you're taking the, the wise counsel of the men or women that you've surrounded yourself with. So, in the way we do it, <coughs> elders, along with the pastor, have responsibility for things like the facilities, the buildings that the church is in. They have responsibility for the finances, making sure that they're managed with integrity. And they're responsible for staff, if we're going to hire new staff. The other responsibility of the elders, and it can be a significant one at times, is that in the absence of the pastor, they're the leaders. So if a, a church with an elder, uh, excuse me, with an um, Episcopal model of church leadership like we have, if the pastor leaves or if the pastor, God forbid, dies, or for some reason becomes incapacitated. If the pastor has a moral failure and runs off with the secretary, I've seen it, not me. Nadine, Nadine would have used this on me already, <laughs> and it would, it would be sticking out of my neck. right? But I do know guys who literally ran away from the church with one of the women in church. In the horrific... Uh, in those horrific circumstances, or if it's just merely transitional. A new pastor's coming and the church doesn't quite know who that is yet. The leadership of the church then falls to the Board of Elders. They they make the uh, decisions in that process. And they do it however they feel like God's leading them to do it. They make the decision, they form a search committee, however. There's lots of different ways you can look for a new pastor, but in the absence of the pastor, that's one of their responsibilities, along with facilities and finances and staff. The pastor's responsibility, my responsibility, in our government is for ministry-related decisions. If it has to do with um, what we're going to do in ministry, we're going to have a guest speaker, we're going to go down this course, I'm going to teach, I'm going to preach on this series of messages, and that's, you know, that's my call. What kind of ministries are we going to do? That's those are my primary areas of responsibility. I've never been in a church where they told me you have to preach a series of messages on fill in the blank. That's not how it works. Some of the other models, governmental models, that might be the case. But that's not how we operate. So i give you a a clear picture on what my qualifications are and what the different models are out there and uh, maybe a a better understanding on how we practically operate. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Anybody have any questions on that? Okay, cool. So let me explain the sword. Isn't that, don't I have a cool sword? I got a cool sword.
1: I was ordained
0: a long time ago. And I, initially, I was ordained by an organization called Elam Fellowship, based in, uh, in Lima, New York. Been around a long time, part of the Latter Rain movement. And When Nadine and I were still living in New York before we moved to West Virginia, I connected with them, and initially they ordained me into ministry. Years later, when I moved to Washington, it was a vineyard church. Well, the vineyard required that you were ordained by the vineyard. And so I was reordained uh, in the vineyard. (laughs) And then when we became a bridge church, I was ordained a third time. Isn't that awesome? How special am I? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was ordained again in the Bridge uh, Church. And John Paul, as he's liking to do, does things in a unique fashion. Um, when he ordains people, he has a sword that looks um, almost uh, identical to this. His handle is black, uh, where mine is red. But I think his is black. Maybe it's white. I think it's black, though. But mine's red. And so he ordained me, and when he ordains people, he uses the sword. And he kind of knights them in the process. You know? And so it was after that, There was a Father's Day not long after that, and um, Nadine found a replica of John Paul's sword online and thought, wow, wouldn't that be a really cool gift, um, if a uh, Father's Day gift from me and the kids for Tom? And she was right, it was a very cool gift. And so I've had this uh, for many years now, and I've had the privilege o- over that time where I've ordained people Uh, and where I've installed elders. And I thought, you know what? I think it would be pretty appropriate uh, when I do that, especially as a bridge church, to use uh, the sword. Like I said, it's called the sword of King Solomon. So let me make a statement, and then we'll go forward with the process. In the New Testament... Church apostles set in place elders in each congregation. Acts 14.23 says that Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, where prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord, in whom they had put their trust. The scripture says that the work of an elder may include preaching and teaching. 1 Timothy 5.17 it may include praying for the sick, as in James 5:14. It may include shepherding the flock, as in 1 Peter five verses two and three. And as we read in Titus, being a good example uh, to the church. So what I'd like to do at this point is invite Kyle and Sal and Mike to come forward. And if Beth and Maria would come and stand behind your husbands. And Maurice, would you come and have Mike's back? And um, Nadine, would you kind of come up here and help? And since we have other bridge pastors with us, I think it would be nice to have them come in participate as well. Dwayne and Dawn, if you would be willing, would you uh, come and help me in this process? I turn this one on. So, I got some questions for you gentlemen. What's the square root of 874? <laughs> oh, wrong question. <laughs> oh, wrong page. <laughs> I love you guys. I appreciate your willingness to serve. So Kyle, Mike, and Sal, will you help me fulfill the vision God's given me for the Bridge Island? Will you pray for our church? Will you pray for me as your pastor? Will you employ the gifts, talents, and abilities that God's given you to advance God's kingdom and to bring God glory here at the Bridge on Island? Will you accept the responsibilities of an elder this church. And to the church, the rest of you guys out there, will you love these men and their families?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Will you support them with your prayers? Yes. Yes. Awesome. Will you accept, will you honor their leadership and accept them as elders of the Bridge Long Island? Yes. Thank you. And today, the Bridge Long Island recognizes the gift and call on your lives to lead, govern, and serve God's people. Kyle, Sal, and Mike, today I charge you, as St. Paul charged the elders of the church at Ephesus, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. Be shepherds. Of the Church of God, which He bought with His own blood, and with the power and the authority given to me by God, and as the pastor of the Bridge, Long Island, I appoint you elders of the Bridge here on Long Island. Amen? Amen. So, what we're going to do now is I'm going to uh, I'm gonna bless you. Don't move your heads when I do this. And then uh, we're gonna we're gonna pray for you for you guys and I know good chance I might even get a prophetic word today. (laughs) So when we come over here, we'll start with Kyle first. Kyle, my friend, I love you and I appreciate you. You are a good man. I look at you and I see good things. And so Beth you could put your hands on his back if you like. So I bless you, my friend, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And brother, I pray, you guys can come and lay hands on him. We pray for you today. ask that God would touch you, and that he would fill you, and that he would use you. When my brother feels weak, Lord, you be his strength. I pray that he would be yoked to you as there are, in the Spirit, as there's new responsibility bestowed on him. New weight for him to carry in the Spirit, that you would carry the heavy portion. Please feel free to join in if you want to say something. (coughs) Bless you, brother. We bless you, too.
2: So, Kyle, this is what I um, this is what I see when I look at you. Um, that you, um, when you make a decision, uh, you're solid in it, and um, you have a quiet strength about you. Um, the reason why God gave you a strong wife is not because you're weak, mm. because you're not. Mm. You have a, there's the solidness about you. Um, The reason why um, I gave you a strong wife is because she makes you like ten times as strong. Mm -hmm. And it's a good thing. And so as you go through life, you'll find that, um, um, and you're good with it. You'll find that she has answers that you don't quite understand yet.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it's a good thing. God was nice to you when he gave you your wife. Amen. <laughs> but you're a good man. So, God, we ask that you would surround this family (coughs) with a, a protective barrier. Can I just put my hand on your shoulder? Thank Thank you, God, that you have prepared this man to walk the path that you have chosen for him. And it's a good path.
4: So this is what I see when I look at you. Um, I I saw a picture of like a house, and you know how they have uh, like a a cellar-type basement from the outside, right? It has the two doors that open. And I saw those doors right here in your chest. And let me explain a little bit. Because you're younger than the the other men, you're in um, a great position. You're probably the most fortunate of the group because what's going to happen is there's all this place in you to receive great wisdom. And so what has cost them $1,000 is going to cost you a buck. Mm. And so, um, but this is what I see, that like that house, I literally saw these, these doors and that they're wide open. And that through humility, I see you just receiving into yourself, into the foundation. I, I think that's why I saw that they were doors to a cellar. And that going into the foundation of who you are is going to be the wisdom, that the, the life wisdom that these men um, have had, and I'll tell you, the things that Tom will place in you um, will be priceless. Anyway, I, just, I see you open through humility, just receiving into the foundation of who you are all of this wisdom. Now, what's going to happen is that quickly, because you haven't had a whole life um, with past experiences that have jaded your, your opinions on things, because of your lack of having formed opinions, church government, and just things regarding people, and because you haven't walked through all of the difficult wounds, right, that there's, there's a, an open and clean place in that foundation. And these things are going to get poured in, and the wisdom that comes in is going to become your foundation. Out of it, there's going to be a quick response of the fruit of, foundation, of, the fruit of uh, wisdom that's going to be produced. So it's not going to have to fight its way through all the garbage before wisdom can come up and present itself. So you're really in this, this great position that is unusual. Usually elders, you know, they have to wait until they've been around a long time and <coughs> gotten the snot knocked out of them. <laughs> and they're a little jaded. <coughs> and so their wisdom comes out of hard knocks. But it's great wisdom to learn from the mistakes of others. And that's what I mean, what cost them 1000 thousand, ten thousand $10,000. It cost you a buck. And I see wisdom on you. So let me just, just pray for you regarding that. Mm, do you mind if I just put my hand? Mm. And you can agree or disagree with me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you just. <laughs> So I just invite the spirits of wisdom, revelation, and humility to come. Mm -hmm. That humility would guard his mind and his heart and his decisions and his response. That humility would stand um, with a sword of truth and guard his choices and his responses. Humility that you would come and... Well, first, that wisdom and revelation, that you would give him ears to hear and eyes that see, and that humility, that you would come and you would speak into those ears, and that by this Holy Spirit, this wonderful Holy Spirit, that you would speak to him, and humility would cause his heart to be quickened and to respond to the words of the Holy Spirit and to be silent or to speak depending on what the situation calls for. And that humility would pull up the words of the Father and remind him of the heart of Jesus and what the kingdom looks like in every response that he makes. Humility that you would come and you would open the doors at the very moment that he needs to receive into the foundation of who he is, what you have for him, what the Father has for him, what needs to be a part of his foundation, and that you would come and you would close the doors when pride comes and says, no, 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 this is, this is how you need to respond, this is what a man looks like, but that humility, you would come and lock those doors down, and that his heart would reject those things of selfish ambition, those things that lead to pride, and that you would raise him up to be a mighty man of God, and that that these are years that he will look back on and realize that as an older man, if it weren't for these years, he wouldn't be where he's at. So God, would you raise him up and to be a mighty leader in your kingdom, that you would prepare these arms in strength to hold up a mighty sword of the kingdom, and that in his old age, that wisdom and revelation would stand large and strong in him, and it would be recognized. That he won't be known for wealth and ambition, but that he will be known as a man strong in wisdom and revelation and humility. Hmm. So just take these years. God and develop in him a mighty foundation that will not be able to be shaken. Mm-hmm. And it's is it Bethany? Did you say? Mm-hmm. Stand over here real quick. Mm-hmm. For it is a very small rudder that guides a mighty ship. And so, Father, I just ask that the every word that comes from her mouth that speaks into her husband would be that of wisdom and revelation. So. I invite you spirits of wisdom and revelation to come and that you would stand on her left and her right and that you too would speak in her ears. Give her eyes to see and ears to hear. Father, I ask that you would give her thoughts that come from you. Give her a heart that's guarded by your, your word the eyes of her heart would be enlightened Hmm. and that she would be the voice of the Holy Spirit for her husband? Would you come and would you speak to her in her dreams? Would you prepare her and her husband for the weight of responsibility that comes with saying yes when her husband becomes an elder? Would you prepare them for the weight of responsibility that, that they will feel of being responsible for every life that comes into this church? Just cause the spirit of intercession to rise up. And let the gifts I just call forth the plans, the purposes, the destiny of God in you. I call forth the plans, the purposes, and the destiny of God in you. I call forth from your slumber the things that God has placed in you that have been Um, Like on hold. I just stir them up in Jesus' name. For now is the time uh, for you to be activated. You're in a position now of um, authority and influence. So I just, I call them to wake up. I say, wake up. Just call forth the plans, the purposes, and the destiny of God and the giftings in Jesus' name. I just call you forth in Jesus' name. I call you to attention. Say, look to your Father. For this is the beginning of a season of of growth like you could not imagine. So this is what I see, that not only will you be given the opportunity to lead, but these men are going to tend your garden. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and this is an opportunity where if there was, was going to be a season of growth and maturity and fruit, um, this is the season. And what it's going to do is it's going to create a, uh, a very strong um, root system in your life. And because these men are going to tend and help you mature, this root system is going to become big and strong. And it's going to be all the things that are underground. And then um, as, as you get older, what you're going to see is the huge above ground. So these men are, gonna, are going to literally be creating the, the root system and the foundation of what you're going to do a decade from now. Hmm. So, God, I just ask that this would, um, that you would just take this time and make it as fruitful and as productive as possible, that you would guard over their lives for the sake of fruitfulness for the future. There will be fruitfulness now, but fruitfulness for the future for a decade from now. Just let humility receive all that they need to receive.
5: In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Okay. <coughs> Kyle, I just see the Lord giving you new shoes as um, as I'm sorry, what's your name again? Oh. I, as Donovan was uh praying <laughs> over you, I see the Lord just changing you your shoes and there was a release happening for you to walk in a different light. So I just bless you in the name of the Lord that you would walk. And the light that the Lord has given you. And give you eyes to see and ears to hear.
1: Amen. It's funny when Tom started to pray for you. I I saw you as a tree. Mm -hmm. And as he continued to pray, and and Dwayne continued to pray, and Dawn started to pray, I saw that tree being watered. And as the tree was watered, the roots underneath got thicker and more solid, and they grew, and they just Planted themselves in the ground. So when she said the roots, (laughs) I'm going, ah, she (laughs) That's what I saw. So I just want to, you know, just reinstate that.
0: (coughs) Thank you, guys. You could stay up here. Oh, Mike, thank you. Thank you for a willingness to serve. Thank you for saying yes. You're a good man. I look at you, I see a good man. I told Maurice, I said, you know, I look at Mike, it's like he kind of like shines Jesus. You know, I like, was like, that was a good thing. So we love you, Mike. I just want to bless you today. In the name of the Father. the Son. And the Holy Spirit. So Mike, I ask that God would just fill you fresh and new with his spirit. That you just continue to shine Jesus. That his light would fill you and surround you. Explode forth from you. That truly, truly he would open your eyes in new ways. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That Jesus himself would be everything you need for the season ahead.
1: Mike, when I look at you, I, I just saw the Lord replacing your heart. And he's replacing your heart that's already big and full of love and um, selflessness. And he's replacing it with his heart and his heart it it has all those things and more and as you continue to tap into him your heart will grow and your heart will get bigger and your love will grow and get bigger for the people that he'll put you know in your path to serve and so lord i just pray that you continue to bless mike and you bless this new heart you've given him father and let it grow
5: Mike, when I saw you, um, that uh, the Lord's given you his mind for the things of God, not the way we think, but the way he thinks. So, Father, just bless that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
2: Hmm. And So, Mike, this is what I saw when, uh, um, as soon as the sword touch the top of your head mm. um, and my sense is is that you felt it um, and for lack of a better term I'm just gonna call it a mantling you felt it when that coat or that jacket was placed around you um, mm. it's not a it's not like a heavy weight that is like a burden, um, you know what I'm talking about. It's a, it's a feeling <laughs> of, uh, and, you're, and it's going to start unfolding in your understanding. It's like um, you're going to feel and, and sense, and just it's automatic. It, it would be like a, a deeper love you'll walk into the place and go, I love this place. I love these people. Um, Not that you didn't before, but it's like um, deeper depths and greater, uh, I hate to, I'm sorry for sounding so churchy today, but deeper depths, greater heights, um, uh, you're going to notice a complete difference. And I, I know, uh, just as as sure as I'm holding this microphone, I know you felt it, Mm -hmm. and I I know you did. (coughs) And um, that was legitimate. It wasn't an emotional thing that happened, it was legitimate.
4: So actually, when we were sitting in the back, I didn't I, kn- I knew that that you were going to be one of the elders installed, but I didn't know who else. Only because I think Tom said something. You you ready for today? Or, um, but I didn't know who else was was going to be installed. And so we were sitting back there, and you were sitting here, and I just saw you from the back, and I thought, huh, I gotta be an elder. But you came in and you were you were quiet, and I mean. You know, we're still talking to people, but you came in, you were quiet, dressed real casual. I thought, oh, well, he's probably not one of the guys who are going to become an elder. But you know what? I don't know why. I just think you ought to become one of the elders. So here's the point. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It doesn't matter what you think. You were already marked as an elder when I sat back there and I didn't know who you were. And it didn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It doesn't matter how you dress. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter whether you're outgoing or whether you're quiet. The point is, the mantle was sitting on you when I was sitting back there and I saw it. Hmm. This is what you're supposed to be doing. And you are gonna be a great benefit to Tom. Hmm. I see you being willing to accept a part of his burden, which is a part of... Mature men. Uh, the battery is it back on? Is it part? Here we go. Hmm. It's a part of why mature men say yes to becoming elders, but I I see you putting your arms out and the Lord asking you you know, are you willing to take part of this burden? And I see you saying yes. And that you literally will carry a part of the burden of what Tom carries. Hmm. I also see you willing to invest. Hmm. Yes, invest into Kyle. Hmm. Hmm. This reach, you come here, (laughs) (laughs) we'll do that. So I don't knock things over. <laughs> that would be terrible. Everybody remember that Sunday. Mm. Mm. So God, I ask that you would just strengthen him. Hmm. That you've already been preparing him to be able to um, pick up the burden. That, you've, that you literally, that, um, boy, your yoke and your burden It's easy and it's light when you're you're the one who decides who's going to carry it. Hmm. The man who picks up the yoke and the burden of the Lord finds that it's easy and it's light Hmm. because it's already been assigned to him. And you have already assigned uh, this weight and this responsibility as an elder to this man. So wisdom and revelation, I just, uh, I beckon you now to come. Hmm. Hmm. That wisdom and revelation would walk tall and mighty and be very active in your life. And this is the picture that I see. I see you uh, walking up behind Tom and that there's, uh, there's four bags and all four bags have handles. And I see you, uh, Tom's trying to put one on his arm at his elbow while he's trying to figure out how to pick the other one up with his hand. And, and just as he's reaching over to grab the other two, I see you walk up next to him and say, hey, buddy, here, let me get these for you. And it lightening his load. And I see you just picking them up with, just, just effortlessly. Hmm. And like those who uh, stood next to Moses and held his hands up, I just see you doing that. And there's grace for that. So God, let your grace come. Let it bring great strength. And let this be a season in this church of great fruitfulness, with the willing heart of workers, to help to carry the burden, as you just bless him, in Jesus' name, amen.
0: You ready for this, Sal? (laughs) Don't move your head (laughs) I love you, Sal You're a good man You've been a good friend I appreciate your friendship And I appreciate yours and Maria's Hospitality You guys are very kind Uh, You're very generous It's clear to me that uh, You're the right man in the right place At the right time And so brother, with the authority Given to me by God I bless you today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I ask in the name of Jesus that there would be a release from heaven. I see being dispatched from heaven the help that you need uh, for the path ahead. So I ask you have my brother, oh God, that you would give to him specifically tailor-made, custom-made, exactly what he'll need for the path ahead. And I bless you in Jesus' name.
1: When uh, Tom hit your head with the sword, I saw the tip of the sword and I heard the Lord say to me, it's only the beginning, it's the mm-hmm. tip. Of the iceberg. It's like the very beginning. There's so much more underneath um, that you've not expected or experienced yet. And it's like a new beginning for you. And if you allow him, he will stretch you in ways that might be uncomfortable. <laughs> but it's but it's God. And it's a good thing. And so uh so Lord I just pray for Sal there be no fear in the stretching that's about to come lord and that he can walk with you and walk in strength knowing that you're with him surrounding him and helping him to grow in jesus name
5: when i, when I, <coughs> when I saw you i i see the the heart of the father over you and just the love pouring out for his people and how you desire the best for them. So, Father, I pray that the Father's love would multiply upon his heart and that he would have the revelation of who you are for his people and the endeavors that are in front of him, Father, that you would open up his eyes of his heart to see that you can do all things. <laughs> That's right, all things, Sal. <laughs> Bless you, Father. Yeah.
4: Would you come this way? <laughs> there we go. And your wife. Come on here. What's your name? Maria. Maria. Oh, I love your accent. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, this is what I saw as soon as Tom started praying for you. Where you're kind of like an armor bearer, right? I saw you... Um, just as a, like a Papa heart. And this is what I believe, is that Tom is going to um, help you find that place of the Father's loving heart. I literally saw, as he started praying for you, I saw you embracing people and just pulling them into you. Very much what, um, what Tom um, carries as far as a, a Father's heart I see that being invested in you. Hmm. Hmm. And so, God, I just ask that, that you would just instill in him your heart, that you would prepare him to um, go through a, a training session of of what it means to walk in the fullness of the Father's love and to exhibit the love and the kindness of the Father and the love of Jesus. So I'm going to tell you a story because this just came to my mind. And I am not even going to cry. Just watch me. So we're, at a conf- we're, we're doing a conference, and, it's, and um, we're doing the worship for this joint conference that we're doing. And so we're at this place early, and they're going to feed us upstairs at this church that we're at. And so we, um, I, I'm the only one. I have to run downstairs to get something where the sanctuary is. And as I'm walking through the sanctuary, nobody's in there, and the lights are off. And I just hear the Lord say, do you notice that that pain right here that you have right here is gone? And I stopped in the middle of the room, and I said out loud, oh, wow it is. It's right here. It is. It's gone. Well, that's strange. Where did it go? I, I'm literally having this conversation. It's a good thing nobody was in the room. Mm-hmm. And I heard the Lord say, the love that Tom has had for you has covered a multitude of sin done against you and it's healed your heart. And I said out loud, huh, I never thought of that scripture that way because the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin. And I realized But that pain was gone because Tom and Nadine had come and they had loved us to a place of wholeness. And you're gonna learn how to do that. You are gonna learn how to love people to the point that it covers a multitude of sin that's been done against them and it's gonna heal their heart. And the place that hurts right here in them will not hurt anymore. And so you are beginning right now a training session, a season of learning what it means to love people with that kind of love that they will one day be walking down the road and the Lord's going to say, did you notice that pain right there is gone? And they're going to go, wow, where did that go? And they're going to say, because Saul, Saul, sorry, sorry. because Saul loved you into a place of wholeness. Hmm. And you're going to stand before the Father and he's going to say, well done. Hmm because you learned how to love. Hmm. So, Father, even right now, I just ask for that love to come and just to cover over him. I ask that you would come in your love and that you would cover a multitude of sin that's been done against him and that you would come and you would heal his heart and that this healing would bring healing then to others' hearts. I ask that you'd give him justice for everything um, that he's lost, for everything that was stolen from him, from every time um, your will was cut short because the enemy came in. God, I just stand uh, in intercession. I stand as his representative before you, and I just ask you that you would give him justice. And I ask that you would cause his life to bring destruction to the enemy's camp. God, every time that the enemy showed up to bring destruction into other people's lives, that you would use him as a tool of justice to, to bring your love and to bring healing and restoration and justice into their lives. So God, would you give him justice for everything that's been taken from him, for every loss that he's had. God, I pray that, that prosperity would follow him. I ask that you would open doors that have been closed, that this would be a season of open doors for him. Hmm. 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 And Maria. Hmm. 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 Oh, I'm so sorry. I can give you a fat lip there. Just call forth the spirit of prophecy. I break off every lie that has kept her silent, that has kept her from speaking the words of the Father that she's heard. I break off every hindrance that has held back revelatory dreams. I just call forth the spirit of prophecy to be loosed. Father, give her the spirits of wisdom and revelation God, that you would come and just remove every hindrance, the things that have have kept her from clearly hearing and that have kept her from seeing clearly the things that you're trying to show her. I just ask that you just make the enemy pay. Mm -hmm. Eyes that see. I could be wrong, but my sense is, is that even from the time of a little girl, that the Lord was speaking to you, showing you things. The enemy came and stole that away. And so God, I just ask that in your justice, that you would restore to her all of the ability to see and to hear. And any lie that ever came and um, from the enemy that said that the things that she heard weren't God, just ask that she would punish that lie. Give her justice. Hmm. I ask that you just... Bless her gentleness of spirit. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would just release from heaven your fire of intercession to rest on her and for your power to come and infuse her. The exceeding greatness of your power to those who believe. I ask that you would cause faith to rise up in her and that she would believe. I ask that you would cause faith to rise up in her and she would believe that you can do anything. I ask that you would anoint these hands That faith would rise up in her and she would believe that anything that she lays her hands on would receive a touch from heaven. Bring healing to their hearts. I just almost see you, um, like a Florence Nightingale, like a nurse, just, just bandaging up the broken, hurting, and bleeding places of people's hearts, and just bringing a salve that, that soothes the aching parts their being and bringing peace. So God let this one be a bringer of peace that she will sow seeds of peace and that she will reap a harvest of goodness. Just let your anointing rest on her. Hmm. And I just heard that Um, I heard a cry from your spirit that says, not from me, God, but for the sake of your name.
3: Hmm.
4: So God, just bless a pure heart Hmm. for the sake of your kingdom. So I just call forth the gifts and the callings of God from you. I just say, wake up. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: So, Sal, this is what I this is what I see in you. Um, life's experiences have um, equipped you well for this. Um, you're one that will doubt yourself, probably all too quickly, and doubt your abilities. Um, but just know, be reassured. And be confident in the fact that life's experiences have prepared you well. And you're up to the task. And the the, um, cloak of humility that you wear. It's one of the most uh, beautiful coats. It's held in one of the highest places of honor in heaven. It's like when you go to a very expensive restaurant and somebody called them the beautiful people. (laughs) Vaughn, right? Yeah. Did you get to see the beautiful people when we went out? I forget where we were, but yeah, we saw a few of them. When the beautiful people bring their very expensive coats to the very expensive restaurants and they put them in the cloakroom, they don't put the, you know, just the everyday work jacket in there. It's the very expensive. That's where the cloak of humility mm. and you wear it well.
0: Just said, Yes, something you want to say,
4: I am. Um The other day at Tom and Nadine's house, I had the privilege of meeting Dawn and Dwayne for the first time, and they were speaking of asking the Lord to use you for giving word and messages to people. And so as Tom started blessing you, I asked the Lord to give me a word for you, and I was overtaken by the sound of the birds outside. And I think it it was the sound of them, and it was fresh and clear and positive, positive and I think that that's meaning that you're going to bring a new voice to the church that's meant to be heard and that will help bring everything into a positive light mm. so. that's
0: awesome thank you this is good I love you guys thank you thank you thank you guys thank you so much so why don't you guys be seated and 20 to just a second before <coughs> you go? So you guys can give everybody hugs later, hug your new elders and and hug our visitors. but um if you guys wouldn't mind be, before we go, would you? Yes, thank you, you Can take 10. That <laughs> That's good. grab that mic It can be dangerous with that thing. If you guys would just bless us. We pray for the, the Bridge Long Island. We can get a blessing, a West Coast blessing before we uh, close out. I love these guys. They've been such good friends and such great help to me for so many years. It was absolute joy and a delight to be able to, to take uh, what God did in Washington and say, yeah. take it.
4: And yeah.
0: Do what God would have you do with it. All
4: right. Um, I I will say, as you were just finishing up, Mm -hmm. hugging them, Mm -hmm. I just heard the Lord say that this is a new season here, Mm -hmm. that for whatever reason, these three new elders are opening a new season. And when you were talking about the birds chirping, this is what I heard. That at night, as you're going to bed, it's not the sound of birds that keep you awake, right? It's because at at the end of the day they're not singing but the beginning of a new day and so as soon as she said that I thought oh that's perfect with what I just heard the Lord say that this is a new season it's the start of a new day do not be surprised but do expect to see that this is a new chapter and I don't know why and I'm not just saying that just to you know pump Mm yet because we don't do that (laughs) not our way but just don't be surprised to see a new transition. Hmm. Hmm. So God, I just bless these people. Hmm. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would come with the expectation of what a new day brings, that, um, that when the night is over, And a new day begins. It's an opportunity for new things. It's an opportunity for change. God, I ask that you would bless this church with the release of the destiny of the people who come here. Hmm. So even now, I just... I speak to the spirits of the people here, and I just call them to attention. And I call you to release the gifts that the Father has placed in you. And I just bless that. I bless your gifts and the callings of Christ. The gifts given without repentance. And I just speak a blessing on those. I release a blessing and I break every curse and every lie that would hinder that gift and that calling. In Jesus' name. I hmm.
2: Always hate it when I get handed the microphone. <laughs> mm. I know you're not supposed to be that way if you're a pastor, but it's just the way it is. Hmm. So, I just want to pray something. Um, so, God, we ask that you would uh, infuse the atmosphere in this place uh, with heavenly beings. We ask that you would give us eyes to see, ears that hear, and Uh, willing hearts to accept things and ways that you want to do things that might be different, just slightly shifted from the way we have viewed things before. God, we ask you uh, even more for open heavens over this place God even before people show up I asked that you would create a buzz in the atmosphere and Every time the door is open and when people come in, God, I ask that you would create such a buzz in the atmosphere from the heavenly being stirring around with uh, anticipation and excitement for what you have in store. That the people who are depressed, the people who are upset, the people who just walked in the door out of the car from an argument... God, that they would just instantly just forget about, just forget about it. God, and let that infusion just um, pierce through us, you know, like the radio waves that are going through the room right now. The television signals, the cell phone signals. But God, let it be an infusion from you. And tomorrow morning when we go to work, let us still be buzzing. Let us still be vibrating with uh, that new life. God, we ask that you just create a a swirl around us like you did with Peter, that when people got within a certain distance from him, they were just healed. Well, God, we're not necessarily asking for anything specific, but we ask that you would change things around us so that people begin to notice that we're different. In whatever way you want to do that, God, We ask that you would remind us to focus on you because what we focus on, we make room for. And what we make room for, we empower.
4: Thank you, God. Maurice, Maurice. Maurice, would you come up here just real quick? you're the only elder we didn't get to pray for <laughs> Just doesn't seem quite right okay and so this is what I saw actually I looked over and I saw you sitting there and outside of feeling like I just needed to pray for you is I see you walking past this door and it's like it's a door you've been walking past for a long time and you've looked at that door and you've always thought hmm. man I'd like to walk through that door and usually doors represent opportunity and finally, I see you finally stopping, not quite sure it's going to th- be unlocked. And sure enough, as you open the door, not only is it unlocked, as, I s- as you open the door, I see this light just pouring from the other side of this door. And you just going, just with awe of what's on the other side. Hmm. So I don't know what it is that it's almost like I see a... Um, that there's something. My sense is it's, it has to do with the kingdom. That there's something that your heart has been, been longing for, and and you've longed for it, and you've longed for it, and you've thought that would be so amazing to enter into. And then I, I just think that there's a season coming that the Lord's going to put this desire in your heart to finally do the thing, to pursue that direction, and and reach for that door and open it. And when you do, there's going to be light. Which was probably understanding, and a great depth of understanding, <clears throat> and like a renewed, um, a renewed thing to live for. Mm. So, so I don't trip over some things. Have you come this way? Mm-hmm. So, God, I just ask that you would direct his path. I pray for a renewed sense of purpose hmm. this is kind of a crazy picture but I almost see that you're like a coffee cup and you're, you've are you just got this this last little you know a half inch of kind of coffee that's kind of been getting cold and, and Lord I'm just asking for you to come by and just fill this cup back up and just refresh it hmm. heat it back up God, that you'd fill his cup full of hot coffee. Hmm. Just renew the fire in him. Hmm. God, I ask you to heal his heart from all the things that have come and broken his heart. I ask that you'd heal his heart. Hmm. I ask that you'd give him justice for all of the injustice that's been done to him. I ask that you would come and you would make things right. Hmm. There are just things that that the Lord has looked at and said, Well, that's not right. Hmm. And it's not that you haven't been right, it's that things have have happened in your life and it's just not right. Hmm. So Lord, I just ask that for this season that you would just come and that you just make those things right and that's your justice. Just release your justice in his life. Come and make those things right. Hmm. And so I I see the Lord when he was standing there and he saw those things and he said, well, that's not right. He followed it with this, but there is a day that's coming and I will make things right and there will be a price to pay. And so, God, I just ask that this be that day and that the wheels of justice would begin to move on his behalf and that you would make things right. So would you just prepare him to receive your justice? Hmm. That his heart is never for vengeance, but just that things be right. So would you come and make things right? Would you renew the fire in his heart? Refresh his cup of coffee. Hmm. Fill him back up. So, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill him up? Fill him up. <laughs> come and renew his spirit. Renew a right spirit within him. Hmm. Make things right and renew his spirit.
3: Hmm.
4: Get all these crazy pictures. It's mm-hmm. like I see you sitting in a hot tub filled with cold water and nothing's moving and nothing's hot. Mm-hmm. But that's getting ready to change. Mm-hmm. I just see the war. And you've just been sitting there patiently waiting. Like, I know this is a hot tub. Mm-hmm. Things are supposed to move. <laughs> it's supposed to be hot. And I see the Lord just walking over and rewarding your patience by flipping on the power. And all of a sudden, the bubbles come up from the bottom, things starting to move, and warm up. Mm-hmm. So just do that for him.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Give him clear direction of his path, and let him not be surprised by what it looks like. Give him a willing heart to embrace whatever it is that you're putting in front of him. And just bless him. Would you come, God, and just remove every hindrance? Hmm. I see the Lord casting out a line. And hooking um, something that's been bugging you, hindering you. And I see you taking two steps forward, and I see that thing trying to follow you. Oh, but it can't move because the Lord has hooked it. And as you move forward, that thing can't follow you. And then I see the Lord reeling that thing in. And I just hear it saying, no, mm-hmm. and it can't even reach you. And that's his justice for you. His justice is for you. It's not, revenge- it's not vengeance or revenge on someone else. His justice is for you. And his justice comes with good things, and it's for you. See, there's good things for you. And it's not bad things for somebody else. His justice is for you. And he'll take care of everything else. His justice is good things coming to you, restoring to you the things that have been taken, restoring to you and finding the things that have been lost, causing them to be found and restored to you. His justice is everything that's coming to you, and not what's coming to others. His justice is what's coming to you. So God, bring your justice to him. And I just seal it over in Jesus' name. Amen. Anything you want to add?
2: course you all already know this but you know when you have a group of people giving words um it's good at the same time it's kind of um kind of one of those things where you're either all sounding like you're just repeating what each other says or Mm -hmm. you're contradicting each other Mm -hmm. either way um it's still good um this is just what I I hear. Um, <laughs> my sense is is that, uh, well, I just keep hearing the word change. I don't know what that is. Uh, I don't know when that is. It, and frankly, it's none of my business, right? It's, but yeah, that's just what I hear is the word change. Um, but I, my sense is this: it's not that um, you have to change and you know, be different. My sense is that a change. It's not change in the pocket or I have to change. It's a change. And um, it's good. It's a good one. And uh, my sense is is you're going to like it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And this is the story it reminds me of. I walked in the church one Saturday evening for a worship practice. And, um, the pastor was in the prayer room. It was the pastor at our church before Tom was there. His name was Jim. I walked in and he walks out of the prayer room and he goes, Oh, I have a word for you. It's funny that you're here early. I was there just a little bit early. He goes, I was praying in the prayer room and this is what I heard God say that, um, he has a surprise for you, and it's going to happen real soon, and you're really going to like it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying this is, for, this is the timing for you, but the very next day, the surprise showed up, and it was the house we'd been wanting. We'd been looking for houses for like,
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, 12 years, but this specific uh, you know, searching was, had lasted at least 12 months you know you we look for a while and then we stop cuz you get discouraged I've <laughs> been looking for houses I mean regularly every week going out looking at them and the very next day we walked in so whatever it means for you i just hear change and you're really going to like it <laughs> <laughs> awesome. it's a lot better than
0: you really gonna yeah. hate it <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> Guys, everything else? Putting the microphone away? Sounds like they're done. <laughs> We're done. I We're love done. <laughs> I'll leave you alone. <laughs> well, I love you guys. I'm glad that you're here. I love you, man. I love these guys. They've been awesome friends for a long time. <laughs> They've been here for a few days. We've taken them from tip to tip and to the top. We took them out to the Montauk Point Lighthouse we took them to the Statue of Liberty and then we took them to the top of the Empire State Building. And boy, were we tired. <laughs> 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 Man, we waited on so many lines yesterday, right? We didn't do all three of that one day, but we did do the Statue of Liberty and Empire State Building yesterday. And uh, we all slept good last night. So it's a blessing to have them here. Thank you for praying for our new elders and blessing, uh, blessing the church. Well, I love you guys. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Give the new hel- elders a hug and Give, uh, give uh, Dwayne and Dawn hugs, and see you guys next week.